Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. It's Chrissy and Mary Beth. Welcome to Brave Worship today. We are having a hilarious setup morning here. Yes, we are. We've got the Eric Nordoff setting us up in his spare time. He has all kinds of spare time. Yeah, so we're utilizing it. Spare tires, spare time. (laughs) And my sister's laughing at me this morning because my lipstick... <laughs> She's saying I can't smile all the way, which is true. I have a puffy lip from my lipstick. <laughs> Don't let that happen to you, folks. <laughs> so we'll be working on that today. Thank God we already did our pictures this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I just came from the gym, so you don't have a picture of that either. So oh, we've had goodness. we've had some uh fun stuff happening this week with Brave. We have. Yeah. We're getting ready to get our website launched. Yeah, we should be launched by this weekend. And so if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably already launched. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at it. Mm Braveworship.com. And you can see the pre-swollen lip pictures. They'll be up there. I'll try to give you guys a little after picture (laughs) at some point. (laughs) So you can get it. No after pictures. You know, people pay money to get a swollen lip. I know. (laughs) I could be famous right now. If I I could only put lipstick on top, it would look awesome. It would look great. A little lopsided, (laughs) but still good. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So you find out this week what you're having, possibly. Yes, we're hoping to find out. We've got three boys, so this will be... So, Either another boy or a girl. I yes. guess we'll see. <laughs> With but our I track gotta, record, it's probably a boy. <laughs> yes. We got some funny funny texts from That's your husband. That's true. Eric morning. has yeah. totally prophesied it's a girl, 100%. So All right. So now the whole world knows here. if they can depend on him or not. Uh-oh. After this. <laughs> <That's correct>. <laughs> <laughs> 50% correct. Oh, Woo. man. So, yeah. And... uh we're getting geared up for the All About Worship Conference this week. Yeah. So we're excited to be a part of that. Absolutely. With it's Michael awesome. Farron and our people over there at church. I think they've got a lot of great people coming in, yeah, too. Absolutely. It's going to be an awesome weekend. So we're excited about that. We've got uh, talking to a college group today. We're going to share Brave. And then Monday, we have Girls Right Out. So uh, if you are watching Periscope Monday around 730 Central time, is that right? Yes. Uh, we first will be Monday periscoping. Of every month, right? We'll be periscoping. Yes. So first Monday. Oh wait, I don't know when this is going to release. But Just every first Monday. Every first Monday. So yep. be watching for that. 
<laughs> that'll be coming up. And um, I think that's that's it. Yeah, just lots of cool like buzz happening. I feel like a lot of people yeah. really need um, this kind of connection yeah. with people who just champion women in ministry, you know, and obviously specifically our experiences, songwriting and worship leading. And yeah. so we're going to talk about that a lot, but I think there's a lot of people out there that feel like they're alone, you know, or they yeah. need a connection or they need somebody to tell them they can still do it in the midst of everything else, every other role that they play um, as a woman or a wife or a mom or whatever your different roles are. So that's really cool. And I know we're really excited about that. Yeah. And um, also we're going to be talking this week specifically about worship leaders and uh, putting together worship sets. So Mary Beth's going to be sharing with us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we talked um, at Girls Write Out last time with, I don't know, 30 or 40 probably Mm -hmm. different songwriters. Um, And I just shared, you know, my experiences in worship leading and being a worship pastor um, for about 15 years, I guess. And I wanted to share like how I chose songs. You know, and Mm -hmm. and everybody's not exactly the same, but I have a pretty good idea from, you know, years of conferences and collaborating with other worship pastors, um, mostly men, I suppose, and a few (laughs) women that I come across. Um, But just why you choose music, how it comes across your desk, um, that kind of stuff, because, you know, I come from churches that are from, you know, five, 500 to a thousand, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's a pretty big church, I'd say on average in the United States. So mm-hmm. it makes up a lot of, um, the people that are, you know, the audience for your songs, if you're a songwriter. Um, and so my thought is that I want to make sure you guys that are out there writing, um, are just kind of thinking through the, the process of how your songs are chosen, especially if you feel like you want them to be a part of kingdom stuff, like where God's taking them, you know, to Mm -hmm. the church. And I know that a lot of people have the heart for that, which I think is so cool. Not just necessarily trying to, um, to write songs just for themselves to sing, but for the, really the whole church to sing Mm -hmm. and be able to benefit from, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of my thought, um, on behind this and just, so here's, these are some of the factors that impact what songs are introduced, you know, for corporate worship, um, for people who program, sometimes that's, there's a specific programmer. I've been in situations like that where mm-hmm. I was the worship leader and somebody else programmed all the songs and the services. Um, sometimes it's the worship pastor. Um, and sometimes it's the, a worship leader, you know, so it kind of depends on the scenario, but in all of those scenarios, I think one of the biggest factors that that plays into it is time. They don't have a ton of time, especially in that size church. If you're going, you know, a thousand or bigger, you might have a real specific job. What are you laughing at? <laughs> I was just sticking my lip out to see if you noticed. <laughs> okay. You there are very few people who just get to spend 40 hours a week planning the service, mm-hmm. you know, and just being with your team. Usually you have multiple responsibilities. I, it seemed like every job description I had always at the very bottom would say, and other duties as assigned by the senior <laughs> pastor. <laughs> it just happens, you know? And so, yeah. I don't know. These are some of the things. And Chrissy, talk back to me as we go about mm-hmm. just as a writer, um, just speak into each one. Um, okay. The first thing is, is it singable? And I like to think about, you know, like a clear melody. I don't, there or sometimes, especially if you're um, if you're new to worship leading, that you're like, I'm just going to find the weirdest, most obscure song that no one's ever heard of before because I want to introduce it. And I want to be the first cool. one to introduce it. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah cool to be factor. cool. Um, but really, once you get into it and realize that your goal is to get everyone involved, to get people moving down the path, you mm-hmm. know, 
toward the throne, um, I think of like Joe the truck driver is usually what I call it. Just Mm -hmm. can Joe the truck driver that's out in your congregation catch on to the song? um, And how many weeks is it going to take me to teach it? That kind of thing. Is it singable? Is it something that they can grasp? And even, you know, a lot of times rule of thumb when you're writing for a congregational type song is to try to stay around an octave range wise. Mm. Because, I mean, some a lot of worship songs are actually, you know, they'll go up the octave and all that. But when you're talking about Joe Schmo, truck driver, you know, an octave is about it, really. So if you can fit it in that range, anybody can sing it most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I even, um, when I'm choosing songs too, lots of times I will look for stuff that goes like from C to C, mm-hmm. or maybe from D to D, you know, like yeah. kind of in there. Like if you're... Um, if you're choosing a song that only one high tenor on your whole team can really pull off, mm-hmm. then you have to, it's not that you can't use it, but keep in mind that people are going to probably be singing an octave down, both men and women for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so they're really going to be giving less like gusto, you know, in the moment um, to that. So, um, okay. So just writing a singable melody, anything else you want to just add about that? You know, I think, uh, What's been stirring in my heart, and I'm getting ready to probably share more about this, is just that as a writer, and I think it relates to the, even the melody, um, you know, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be the creators, when really all we truly need to do is be the listeners, because I feel like God-inspired melodies are always what they need to be. They're always singable. I haven't heard really a God-inspired melody that's not singable, mm-hmm. Um for the most part. I mean, there's always creative license and all of that, but really, um, if you're writing specifically for church and you're really pressing into the Lord, he will give you the melodies. So that's all I would add to that. I love that. And I'm glad that you said creative license too, because I don't want anybody to hear me say that you don't want creative. You don't want something new. You don't want something different. You want those things, um, but you just want it to be something that people can come back, you know, and yeah. sing the next time and have a little bit of a memory of it. And it just makes the job easier right. as a worship pastor because your job is to get everybody on the same page, you mm-hmm. know? So especially if they're new coming in, they don't know any of the songs, you know? And I would even say, especially on your chorus, you know, I think as far as the verses, a lot of times, um, you know, there can be more license for melody fluctuations and stuff. When you get to the chorus, it should be easy. They should be just kind of, you know, some space there so they can be in the moment worshiping, not thinking, where is this going? Yes. Like, what's the next note? You don't want them to think. Mm-hmm. You want them to just respond. I agree with that. And I think even from a screen's perspective, it's like people expect to be looking at the screens mm-hmm. to get words for the verses, right? Yep. And I think the cool thing is with people that have been writing the last maybe 10 years, I'm seeing a lot more depth, mm-hmm. a lot more storytelling in the verses, which mm-hmm. is awesome. So people kind of expect that. But when you get to that course, if they can just close their eyes, yep. not have to read it, not have to look at it. Super simple. Yeah. I think that that's a really cool thing. And I think that, you know, people want that. Yeah. I think for so sure. too. Um, okay. Here's the next thing. Is it true? <laughs> this is kind of a big deal. This is that worshiping and truth part. Um, you know, as a, a worship pastor for an individual congregation, you're asking, does this fit the beliefs of our congregation? Um, and I know that we used to measure everything by that as we chose songs, mm-hmm. you know, and um, does it kind of fit with um, with not just obviously the inherent word of God, because that's first, but is it is it kind of in the season and the place where we are as a church? And um, does it have meat to it or is it just fluffy? Does it really make me think um, without without being so deep that you can't process the words, you know, in real time? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so how do you, how do you work that in the writing room? Yeah. In the writing room, when you're approaching a song, um, I, I think if you can say things in a fresh new way or make them, you know, picture something, or if you put a deep thought, I usually don't put a lot of those back to back. Like I'll do a deep thought and then I'll give it some space after that, an easy line after that, you know, try to position those. I think the deep lines are important and needed, but like you said, a lot of times I'll chunk them into the verses and then open that chorus up. So they're not having to think every line. So they have, you know, a little breathing room in between to kind of digest. You have to give them room to digest those lyrics. Um, otherwise they, they are never going to grasp a song if you don't give them room to breathe and time to think in the middle of the song, even. That's a great way to think of it. And I never would have thought of that, but it makes so much sense because you want those lines where people go away and they're like, oh my word, that one line. Yeah. And I'll have I'll have congregation members email me throughout the week and say, mm-hmm. what was the song that said? And it'll yes. be a phrase. It's yep. not a chorus. It's not a melody. It's yep. a phrase. It just yep. happened to me this past week. And it was a song that Chris sang three years ago. No <laughs> you know? Way. Yeah. Wow. And so that is the stuff that sticks with people. Mm-hmm. But I don't think their experience would have been the same, like you were saying, if the entire song was all... No way. You know? Yep. So So more of a highlight. And then they can grab onto that and really think about that one line. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of while we're on on the subject, let's talk a little bit about just relevancy and season um, of the church. You know, we uh, in ministry have seen a lot of seasons and... We've had some some really good seasons where there's a lot of excitement in the church where we're leading up to a building project or we're moving into a new building or, you know, we're getting some new staff members. There's seasons where I think there's a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement. And then we've had seasons of great loss, too, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and you can feel the difference. And I think sometimes, especially if you have a congregation that... Um, you're pretty open with, pretty vulnerable with um, from a staff viewpoint, from the pastor um, to the worship staff. Um, you walk through it together in some ways. And so, you know, as you're choosing songs, when you're the person that has to kind of shepherd that, um, I remember uh, the tone of our, our services changing. And as, you, as you're choosing those songs throughout the different seasons, sometimes you're looking for a bunch of upbeat stuff. You know, mm. and so other times you're looking for really reflective stuff, um, kind of depending on the season. I remember, uh, oh, what was that song? Um, God of the City. Do you remember mm-hmm. that song? Yeah. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done. Mm-hmm. And that that song, I don't. We must have sang it every week for like a year. <laughs> Maybe not. Wow. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but just when your church is going through such a tough time, mm-hmm. that hope that that can bring, you know, um, and really our community was facing a lot at the time as well with the economy. Our community was hit really hard with the housing market and stuff at the time. Um, but all that to say, I think the biggest need for songs typically is either the very high point songs Mm -hmm. or the really reflective slower songs. And it's not that there's not a place for those songs that are kind of in the middle. Um, But I feel like those come out a lot. I see a lot of those come across. So um, I don't, I don't know. Do you feel like um, songwriters in general, do they usually, are they, do they have a forte for one or the other? They're either really good at the upbeat stuff or they're really good at the slow reflective stuff, or is there a way to do both? I think they can do both, um, but I also think they're most inspired by personal experience. So I would say if you're a writer and you're in a church right now that's going through something, write about it, because Mm -hmm. really the songs that you write for your own church are going to be the most effective in those 
you know, situations mm-hmm. sometimes. I mean, we can pull from other places and there are other songs, but I've seen songs written specifically for specific moments um, to bless one single church. And because there was so much heart in that song, that song, you know, grew well, well beyond that church. So I think it's as a songwriter, uh, those moments when your heart is feeling such deep things, those are the times that that really, you know, reflect the best songs, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. makes total sense. That's awesome. And I think, too, even when you don't know the people that wrote the songs, but it comes across your desk and you hear it, yeah, you can feel the difference. Totally. You and know? you know, oh, they. I wonder if they experience the same thing. Yeah. You know, even if you find something like that, that's exactly what you're looking for, is somebody that experienced something similar. Like I had a friend... Um, and this is unrelated to worship, um, but my friend Krista Wells wrote um, "Held" by Natalie Grant about losing a baby, basically. Mm. And you know, it wasn't her personal experience, but she wrote it about a friend. But I'm just saying that personal experience from that friend has now impacted so many people um, and encouraged so many people that have gone through that same situation. So you can almost find worship songs like in similar things you know Mm -hmm. similar veins you look for those themes you look for those people that have had their heart in the same place and that's what you want absolutely and if you have a writer in your congregation to help express that great if you don't go find somebody that has been in that place Mm. that's good Okay, another thing to consider is, uh, you know, when you're looking for a song, does it fit with the message series and vision of the lead pastor? So this is, you know, another reason why you're going to choose a song is you might be in a whole specific series, um, you know, that you're kind of looking for. (laughs) Sometimes it's something odd. Sometimes it's, you know, we've had definitely like topical series where one week might be on... um, marriage the next week's on family the next week you know like that's i guess that's not super I've, i'm just thinking of some really weird ones that we've had but just they're all specific different things and mm-hmm. um i think what's really cool is um as a worship pastor you get to look for those and it, sometimes it gets you outside of the box other times if it's so obscure you're just looking for obviously generic type worship um but you have you know Many in the congregation that like to give opinions about the the stuff that you choose. Um, you're always trying to find a balance between going in the direction you feel like God's calling you through prayer and you know, kind of seeking what He's entrusted you with, honoring the, and honoring um, the leadership vision and those themes and the things that are coming across your desk that you have to figure out and find a, a place to put. So, mm. you know, keeping within that balance, um, finding a way to 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 line them up thematically, I think with what the church is doing. Um, is another reason why why people will choose songs or look for specific songs, and um, so I, I guess for me that's kind of an encouragement to somebody who who is out there writing um, mm-hmm. about specific topics. And I know you guys wrote a song not too long ago where you talked about just real specific issues. Yeah, um, resentment, depression, more than anxiety. One. That one. Yeah, that yeah. one, and Back I think there was life. one other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, it was, I mean, a lot of people had been dealing with stuff like that in our congregation. Um, and it was kind of a, a theme. But, you know, Pastor Charlie then was talking about the dead things being raised to life. And so then that song fit in perfectly with the series. And um, that's happened a lot at our church. You know, well, he'll, 
he'll be on kind of a theme for a while. And I know um, there have been several songs written out of a theme. So he'll start on a theme one week, somebody will write a song, and the next week they use it the rest of the series Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. But it's a good opportunity to write something, too, if you're a writer in the congregation. If you know what the series is going to be and you're planning your sets, it's a good opportunity to do something. I think it's cool, and I think it's cool that, you know, like you were saying, at our church, sometimes they might hear the the first message in a series, Mm -hmm. and then God does something in their heart with that information. Yeah, yeah. Because it is, it's, I've had to do it before. And I know that, you know, obviously you're a professional and so you do it all the time. But when somebody says, here's the theme, go write a song about it, that's yeah. a challenge. Yeah. You know, to get in that space, I think. And yeah. Just ask God to give you that song about that mm-hmm. specific topic. But yeah, for sure. But I do think, I will say, lastly about that, that I think those real specific things are ministering greatly hmm. to the church. And sometimes it's a single phrase, you know? Yeah. Um, just something that someone's dealing with and it's a, a one-liner. It's, you know, mm. I remember a song um, came out a couple of years ago that had the word addiction in it for the first time I had seen, you know, and really? I remember bringing it. Yeah. I remember mm. bringing it to the pastor and saying, is this okay? Some of these lyrics, he's like, absolutely. You know, and That's it really awesome. was, it's very raw, mm-hmm. but it's real life. Like that is what they're facing. We yeah. don't need to just sing about, you know, gen- generic themes all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's like, it's got to be rooted in what people are really going through. Yeah. So. For sure. I love it. Well, and even a lot of times when we're writing, um, you know, I'm thinking about people in our congregation. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something we've talked about a lot of times. There's one lady that's dealing with cancer for like second time. And I think, would she be able to sing this? Would this touch her heart? And she's my gauge a lot of times um, for how a song's going to work in our church. That's awesome. Um, obviously, style. Style can be huge. Um, and just, you know, every, every church has its own sort of style and you can push the envelope so far, but I think obviously that's going to be something that you're going to consider. So, um, I don't know in writing, I suppose most people write more than one style, right? Typically. Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, you can get kind of a focus in one area, which I feel like my focus is mainly worship, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, there's, there's other other focuses for sure in Christian music. But it's even in worship there's different styles. There's the whole more traditional, congregational, or there's the more Bethel, kind of more free congregational. Mm-hmm. So even congregational has really opened up in the last couple of years to include a lot more than it used to. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. There is tons. And I think um what's really cool is just when you take kind of your church's style and your makeup who you have. And even when you take, you know, songs that are already known, Mm -hmm. there's ways to switch it up to make it interesting to incorporate. You know, I've been in situations where they said, we really want you to do incorporate a hymn somehow each week. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, it wasn't a traditional church. So we incorporated it and we weaved it in with other stuff and other songs. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think you can still make it interesting and and still grasp that. And I think what's cool is there are all those different styles. So if somebody listening is really great at writing traditional worship stuff, it's still Go being for used, it. you know, and yeah. choral even choral is just still there's a huge, you know, group that are still all doing choral stuff. So I think it's making a, a need comeback, for that. Which I is do so too. Cool. I love, love it. it. <gasps> Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> um, another huge thing is talent. And I just I wanted to talk about talent, this talent everybody. <laughs> With the Michigan accent. <laughs> um, this is huge because not all churches have a budget to support 
you know, paying musicians. Um, you're usually kind of, God gives you who you need for a certain time, but it's, you're anxious, you know, to get your band or your team to a different place and what you have. And even in larger churches, sometimes you'll have a gap. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can do a whole nother podcast on this, but sometimes it becomes important to let somebody sit out for a season that maybe was your bass player or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I think that's huge as you're writing, um, to write songs that an average adult musician can play, understanding that, Sometimes they don't have formal training. I've had people that have learned as adults come into a team. Um, and practice time's limited because of jobs, families, all that kind of stuff. So I think even if you write a more complicated song, I would recommend um, considering offering like a simplified version on a chart or even on a YouTube video that you can put out, you know, mm-hmm. to make it workable right. for people. So simple chord progressions would be great. Yeah. And just not like crazy jazz chords necessarily. <laughs> or if you do, then offer an alternative. Yeah. Like you might be able to good. use this as well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I almost hesitate to say that too, because it, we don't want people writing things that aren't interesting or that don't have a level of difficulty at times, because there are some churches who will pull it off, you mm-hmm. know, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Performance songs versus congregational. <laughs> um, I think... You mean special music songs? Yeah, pretty much. That's still pretty much the best <laughs> the best word for it. But I think, you know, most people would be surprised by what I would consider maybe as a more of a performance or special music song versus a worship song. And it doesn't mean that they're not worshipful um, or that they're never used. But I will say that I typically there are very few slots um, that you're going to use for actually teaching a new song in worship. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you really, I mean, typically one to two songs maximum a month new Mm -hmm. is what's going to be introduced at a typical church because of your band learning curve, because of your church learning curve. I know in Phoenix, the average church attendee was there once every three weeks. Like that's average. It's just different lifestyle. People are out, you know, Mm -hmm. vacationing and doing stuff on the weekends and they're just not there. So some of that kind of stuff, it's like you can't introduce a ton of new songs. So there's only these few slots. Um, But there are also, I think there's still a place for those songs that are, again, sometimes they're real specific, like Held, for example. We've Mm -hmm. used that, um, you know, before to just illustrate a certain point and that kind of thing. Um, So, but just, I think as you're writing, be thinking about that. Be thinking, is this something that can be taught to Joe, the truck driver, um, you know, in a couple weekends? Can it, Mm -hmm. can it be taught? Can it be something they can understand? Is it, um, is it so specific that it, that it can't apply week after week after week and it's just going to be used for one certain topic sermon Mm -hmm. series, you know? So, yeah. Okay. Um, and then let's just talk one more thing. Let's just close with simplicity. I think, um, you know, when I first started planning worship, um, 15 years ago, it, it was literally, you had to chart just about everything that was contemporary by hand because resources were really pretty limited still. Um, and, I think it stuff would come out, but it was still really printed music. Mm-hmm. There were some downloads, but they were few and far between. A great song might come out and you hear it and you want to use it, but it might be six months before they put out an arrangement. So essentially you had to listen to the song and chart it, which is fine. Right. Um, but not, not every worship pastor has a skill level to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all of them have the time to do it. So I, I think it's huge just to keep, um, 
keep stuff accessible, simple. I love, I know we've talked about on your site, you have some charts that are downloadable, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Just to make it easy for people to get their hands on. And typically everybody's doing this anyway. uh, But I just wanted to mention it to make sure that people know how key that is. Because as a worship pastor, um, that time is so limited. You know, you you typically, you're not going to have an assistant in the average church, you're not mm-hmm. going to, you might not have anybody else in your department, it might be just you. Um, and so time just makes a huge, huge impact. And it's like, how, how easy can we make it for these people to get their hands on our music, on the stuff that's being written, you know, if you're looking for the church at large? Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I don't, how do you handle that as a writer in the church? Like, what's the best way to be in giving your songs to the pastor? And I suppose that might be a question for the individual pastor, but right. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times if I feel really inspired, I mean, a lot of times, once in a while, there'll be a song, like I don't send them every song I write. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really choosy about what I send in, but you know, a lot of times I'm writing with my worship pastor and he chooses the set. And so, um, you know, in that case, then he's the one that kind of filters through everything more so than our lead pastor. Um, but still, I'll send a song here or there to my lead pastor if I really feel like it's um, got some impact or got some spirit on it or in it. And, and I just get a sense that this will be good. I'll send it on. Um, so it really depends on an individual's relationship, how it works in your church. Um, if you're not the worship leader and you're a writer, then you would probably want to give it first to your worship leader. Um, and then, and not be offended, um, by their reaction, you know, That's okay. I would just say be willing to share, but be okay with the response because, you know, all of us write and it, all of us writers are on a journey. And some of the songs that we're writing are just songs that we learn from. And that's okay. Um, I think as long as you're being willing to offer and then they're willing to receive and, and just have an understanding that, um, not every song is going to get used. You know, even now as I'm writing full time on staff, um, probably only one in 10 of my songs will get out, will get cut. So, you know, keep that in mind. Write 10 songs before you turn one in. Choose your best. Don't just give them the, the one that you've been sitting on for five years that no one's going to use um, or that no one has used, I should say. Um, because more than likely, if you're writing all the time, you're going to be learning, growing, writing better songs all the time. Mm. So be willing to share, but, um, but make sure that you do that bravely too, that you're not, um, you know, really crushed if they don't like it. If you're writing because that's what you're called to do, you just keep writing. That's all. And know that in that industry specifically, um, it's a 10% success rate for those that are professionals. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I like that too, because I know that, you know, if, if you're a songwriter, typically you're somebody who does express really well feelings mm-hmm. and have a lot of feelings. You have double feelings. <laughs> Sorry, so, everyone. No, I think that that's really good advice just to say, like, you have to go in knowing that. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to bring your stuff. No. But just remind yourself that God gave you these songs and he, he'll reveal how he's going to use them. And you your know? worth is not in they're what they think of you as far as, you know, even if they like something or not, your worth is not in that. Um, and if you can get past that, 
then you keep writing and you keep growing. And don't let it shut you down because really if, if it's in you, um, just like any other gift, you have to grow and use those muscles and, and work really hard at it sometimes before it grows to full fruition. Um, it's not something, you know, I've had people say that they can sit down and, and that they've written a song before one song. And that's awesome. It's a great way to express yourself. Um, but as far as writing full time, it just takes a lot more work than I think people think mm-hmm. or understand. I think that's so true. And I think because it's such a creative thing yeah, that people are tempted to think that it just hits you and you come out and here it is and it's wrapped up in a yeah, nice package. Yeah, but that's not it. You do it every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a practice. You do it every day. And then once in a while, one will rise to the top and you're thankful for when that happens. When it doesn't, you keep working. Yeah. You just keep working, but you can't give up. Well, and I think that's what is so cool that I've seen you do with co-writing is Mm -hmm. you're bringing your best and your skill that you're crafting. And so are these other people who Mm -hmm. are doing the same exact thing, you know? So together you're writing those really cool things, you know, that just have the things that each of you have learned brought to the table. And I think, you know, for worship pastors that are listening, don't be afraid to ask around your congregation. Is there somebody who's writing? Absolutely. That's afraid to step forward. Or Mm -hmm. even if you're not a writer, can you come alongside somebody who is a great lyricist? Right. And help them to lay down the melody, you know? Yes, exactly. And to put some chords to it and make it work. Yep. So I'd love to talk about co-writing specifically on our next venture. Sounds great. Can we do that? That sounds awesome. Okay. Well, we found our new favorite verse this week from Psalms. Yes. Tell us. Um, what was the reference? I can't remember the reference, but it's Psalms and it says this, be brave, be strong, don't give up. And I think that's our heart for you guys this week as you're going through your weeks and you're planning um, and you're thinking about the congregation and the topics, the themes, all these things we've talked about today. Um, we just want to encourage you and leave you with that this week, that that we believe um, that God has called you to do great things and that you can do it bravely and with strength. And we encourage you not to give up. And it is Psalm 3124. 3124. Yes. Okay, well, have a great week, everybody. See you guys. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. 
Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.